Kaden PR acknowledges the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Today on The Press Office with Caden Co. PR, I am joined by the very talented and ambitious Lily Baker, who is the founder and director of leading talent management agency, LMB. Now, LMB looks after some of the country's biggest influencers, including Elliot Garneau, Rosalia Russian, and Rebecca Harding, just to name a few. I absolutely adored this chat because not only did we discuss how to find the perfect talent for a campaign, but Lily also gave some great insights into the platform of the moment, TikTok. Let's get on to the interview. Hi, Lily. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the press office with Kate and Co. PR. We genuinely just spent so much time before talking offline. So I'm very excited to get into this conversation. But quickly, I'm going to throw straight to you. Do you mind introducing yourself, what you do and how you got to where you are today? Not at all. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me, lovely. And it's so nice just to have a quick word vomit catch up before starting. But as you kindly introduce, my name is Lily Baker. I am the owner and founder of LMB Management and LMB Group. And yeah, we're just kind of out here trying to navigate through the craziness that is the world at the moment but it's been a massive journey to sort of get to where we are today and coming on almost nine years of the agency it's just gone in a flash. That's crazy and for those who may not know what exactly is LMB, what do you look after and why did you start the business initially? So prior to starting LMB I actually worked at a modeling agency called Vivian's up in Sydney and I really really loved the kind of hands-on nature that talent management was but there were a few frustrations within the modeling industry which I think have since sort of evolved but it was that hands-on nature and really having that strategic approach to working with people that really hadn't been done so much in the talent world actors different musicians different but models were really getting treated as okay a casting comes in you send the comp cards over and they'll choose the best blonde that they like as opposed to okay here's you know marissa she is you know this person with this incredible brand and she has a lot to offer so we really kind of entered the market with a different approach but lmb is first and foremost a talent management agency So we represent talent from all walks of life and essentially we're a broker between talent and a brand and help negotiate and confirm um, partnerships, sponsorship deals, different event posting opportunities, TV opportunities, kind of whatever it is that the talent's trying to aspire to do, LMB will attempt to facilitate that. But we've most recently launched a sister agency to LMB Management called the LMB Group, which is a tangible extension of LMB Management. So assisting talent develop their own products and put their own names um, on a product, whether in collaboration with an existing brand 
or developing it themselves um, under their own brand. So we've got a fair bit going on, but loving the journey nonetheless. That's amazing. Yeah, you would certainly be busy. And I love that idea around LMB Group because more and more often we're seeing talent branch out and put their names to brands and creating their own brands. Well, I mean, it's been years and years and we've seen, you know, collaboration after collaboration have 100% sell through for brands. And we really sort of sat back and looked at the market and thought, okay, our talent are selling so much for so many people. Why are we not taking that back in-house and actually helping develop a long-term strategy for our talent to put their name on their own brand and really capitalize on the sales that they're making for somebody else? So it was a really natural kind of progression from management into group. But again, like we've been a service-based business for eight years. So developing product and the logistics around product and the ability to sell direct to consumer and all of those things have been such a massive learning curve for us. So it's um, it's been super exciting, but it's also such a new adventure too. And you guys are predominantly based in Melbourne, but you are now up in Gold Coast, which is amazing. So why did you want to move up there and open up an arm up there? So Melbourne girl born and bred love our Melburnians. Very controversial move. But we just saw a massive opportunity after two years of being in lockdown in Melbourne. So many talent had migrated up to Queensland. And obviously, for a number of different reasons, um, Melburnians and Sydney siders in the influencer space had the luxury to go and have a bit of a sea change. So for us, we were working with brands and like, oh gosh, do you know anyone in Queensland that could assist us? Or do you know any talent in Queensland? And I was like, hold on a second, are there any agencies in Queensland? And when we did our research, there was a few modeling agencies, but really there was no agencies like LNB up in Queensland. So we just saw a massive opportunity um, to be able to open up an office up there and really not just rely on the Melbourne market, only. So it was a very quick turnaround. It was actually a two-week decision. So yeah, packed up everything, moved up um, with another one of our staff members and have just kind of set up shop here. And it's been honestly such an epic six months. It's yeah, it's a really, really different market in Queensland, but it's a really exciting emerging market too. It's interesting that there isn't too many kind of competitors up there because there are quite a few influencers and well-known ones up there. Totally. Well, it's incredible. Like now that we're here, I've realized even more so how extensive the opportunity really is. As you said, there's so many established talent who have moved up, but there's also so many young talent that are in Queensland who have garnered such a significant following. And um, as you and I were speaking about before, TikTok being a platform that's now so heavily in demand for brands, there's a lot of kind of young, new talent in Queensland as well. So it really surprised us that there really is no other agencies similar to LNB up here. And apologies if there are, and I just don't know about them. And hopefully I'm not offending anyone by saying that. But we've really found since being here that it's much more of a kind of the US nature of like, hey, Lil, this is so-and-so, like, let me introduce you to this person. The networking in Queensland is a lot easier than Melbourne. I think in Melbourne, it's who you know when you enter the market. It's very hard in Melbourne to gain a network if you don't already have an established one prior to starting a business. Whereas in Queensland, I don't know if it's because maybe we do already have a bit of established base somewhere else that people are like, 
oh my gosh, you've got to meet this person or let me put you in touch with this talent or yes, we've been waiting for someone to come up and help manage us, like fantastic. So it's been actually a really, really easy move for the agency. We did actually um, attempt to open an office in Sydney during COVID and like all business owners will know, not every venture is a successful one. And we just found that without having a director present to open the office, it just didn't work. We hired an amazing girl who was so, so fantastic. But unfortunately, without the essence of LMB being present to actually really get that office up and going, and also COVID was very difficult, we just couldn't quite get that momentum that we've got so quickly in Queensland. Yeah, that's really exciting. And one thing you did touch on, and we were chatting about offline, is TikTok and the wild, wild world of TikTok. And you were saying how you were finding it really important for your talent to be on TikTok. Do you mind explaining that a little bit more? Absolutely, Han. Well, it's just honestly the wild, wild west. I'm look, I'm young. I'm 31, um, but I feel like a grandma on that on that platform because it's just so fast, and you've just got so much noise coming at you all the time. And that's the algorithm. That's what it does to kind of keep you engaged and you're constantly watching something and something is constantly grabbing your attention. And then you're onto the next video and that's got you captured. And so we actually held a workshop in at LMB, which we've provided to our talent. And we're actually going to start um, assisting brands with this because if we're feeling like this, surely other people are too. But We had one of our amazing talent, Harvey Petito, who's got following 1.6 million on TikTok, which is significant, come in and essentially do a three-hour seminar of welcome. This is how you essentially conduct yourself on this platform. This is how you create content. This is how you engage with your community. This is how you can gain an audience. And unfortunately, the resounding kind of feedback was a lot of the time it's accidental. It's a fluke. It's the things that you just don't think are going to work. All of a sudden they work. But we also did an analysis between Instagram and TikTok and the differences of both of the platforms. And TikTok, it's stripped back. It's big personality. It's funny. It's silly. It's a lot less curated. So it's not sitting there sort of thinking out like, oh, okay, agonizing over a concept and then shooting it for three hours. It's your 10 second in the bedroom doing something weird that all of a sudden gains all this momentum and interest from people. So it's a real beast. But as I was saying to you, the feedback we've been getting from clients, you know, from a Net-A-Porter to a L'Oreal to a Samsung, TikTok is a platform that they're really, really focusing on. And A lot of the brands actually don't have that much of an idea of how to navigate on that platform. So they're in sort of a discovery phase themselves. So it's really exciting to be on the ground with brands as big as these to kind of understand how they're presenting themselves as a business, but also how they're engaging and working with talent within that platform. Because it is very different to what they do on Instagram and how we kind of do partnerships on Instagram. I definitely think you should be opening up those workshops because it is of such interest and it is still such a big unknown. So having someone who is well-versed in the space and has such a huge following teaching, you know, media and comms professionals about it, I think is so important. Totally. We were in the exact same position. The only reason why we had Harvey come in, who Harvey's actually part of the TikTok Creators Fund. So it's basically a bunch of Aussie TikTokers that have got together and they work with TikTok HQ on how to create on the platform. So we're so lucky to have access to him who has direct access to the TikTok team to really get an understanding of how 
we can have our talent then integrate themselves onto the platform. Other brands being able to kind of pass this information on to them, it comes from a very non-threatening place because we had no idea. And we're an agency managing talent who need to be relevant on this platform. So for us, we're like, fuck, we really need to learn really quick how to be, you know, relevant even as you're getting into a different market. So, you know, we've got talent who are in their 40s and TikTok's obviously a very kind of young, skewed platform, but it's still important that they find a voice on a platform that's not just Instagram. So what does that look like for them and how are we structuring their content and how does that differ to someone like Harvey who's 18? So, yeah, that piece of strategy within the agency has also been really important for us to nail. I'm going to ask you a controversial question. Do you think Instagram is dead? No, I don't. I think Instagram's now going to turn into more of a marketplace. So I think they've been so amazing at transforming it into such a shoppable, easy platform. Obviously, TikTok is much harder to monetize. It's much harder to be commercial on TikTok. But I don't think Instagram's dead. I think engagement's obviously gone down significantly due to the fact people aren't so much tapping as they are kind of swiping now. But having said that, I do still think, especially for our um, demo who's so used to Instagram, I still think similar to our parents with Facebook, I still think it's going to be very relevant for us. But the younger generation, for sure, TikTok is reigning supreme. And like Snapchat's back. Maybe it never went. It certainly went for me, but Snapchat's back with a vengeance. So the sort of, you know, teenagers now, Snapchat's this big, big, big thing again and less sort of Instagram, certainly not Facebook. So Instagram's still going to be relevant, I think, relevant in the right kind of marketing mix of like still having a presence on TikTok, still being able to speak to media in a traditional sense. You can't just kind of be a one-hit wonder or one-platform offering. It really needs to kind of be a diverse sort of offering for a talent that they've got more than one value add to a brand. Yeah, it is really interesting. I know one of my little cousins who must be like 16, she only uses Instagram really to like message her friends. For them, Instagram's like how I would use Facebook Messenger. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I think it's that thing of like they don't want to be sold to. The younger generation, they want just pure entertainment for entertainment's sake where I go into Instagram like, yeah, it's like show me what I'm buying, like show me how I'm going to wear it, like show me how um, and where I can get it and do it in a really, really easy way. Whereas the younger gen's like, oh, no, no, I already know who I am. I've already got my style I'm, you know, not going to look to someone else for inspiration. I'm just my own person. They're a lot more kind of identity clear. And I don't think TikTok sort of encourages or demands you to kind of set in a certain way as opposed to Instagram. And do you think it's more difficult to monetize a TikTok platform? Oh, yeah. Budgets are higher because it is difficult. So budgets for TikTok is higher than Instagram at the moment because Instagram, there's so much option and there's so many people who really nailed that platform. Um, And it's very safe for clients. So I think Instagram, we get it. We know how to work it. Brands are very across it. But TikTok feels like what Instagram felt like maybe seven years ago. So when we started LNB eight and a half years ago, it was bloggers. It was really like kind of blogs reign supreme. You needed to have a really strong blog, then obviously supported by Instagram. Then it was Instagram supported by, you know, sort of supported by the blog. Then it became Instagram reign supreme and really the primary 
then it was sort of Instagram and traditional media mix. Now it's sort of the needing to be across all platforms to be a relevant talent. But TikTok's very difficult to monetize because at the end of the day, being able to incorporate a product into a video that's going to gain some attention is difficult. And, you know, a premium brand like Fendi or Louis Vuitton, you need to be really respectful of how you use that brand and how you integrate that brand into content. And a lot of the time, you know, we're not being silly throwing the bag down a flight of stairs for shock factor. It's like, no, 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 that's not how you treat a brand like that. So then what does that look like? And, you know, how do we gain the right momentum for those brands with still retaining the respect for the brand. So it's definitely harder to monetize. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's been some examples of TikToks done really well for advertising and products. Like I'm thinking, you know, the inspired un- unemployed, those boys. The boys nail it. They nail it. Yeah. And also some brands that have done really well. So Telstra, for example, on TikTok have absolutely nailed it. So a brand that's so corporate and, you know, obviously has a board of directors who probably would never have even heard of what TikTok was, have absolutely nailed their engagement on TikTok and have had a lot of fun with it. And like Ryanair is another one. They've really taken like a very kind of comedic approach to TikTok, which is what the platform really is. Done well, you really can kind of harness a new um, and a younger audience, but it is really hard to kind of gain momentum. And LMB as a, as a business, we had so much conversation around, okay, like, what does our TikTok look like? We obviously want to be able to hero the talent and showcase their amazing work. We also want to show the behind the scenes of the agency and share a little bit more that we might not share on Instagram. But also, do people care? Is that what they want to see? What does the audience really resonate with on this platform? So there's a lot of considerations for brands as well to really try and gain a bit of momentum as well as talent. And now looking at a PR or integrated marketing campaign as a whole, why do you think it is so important to be incorporating, say, spokespeople or influencers into that campaign? I think it's honestly one of the most important elements. And obviously that might be coming from a little bit of a biased view, but for us, talent and influencers really are that word of mouth, best friend, um, trusted opinion that can be so valuable to a campaign. So if you've got a journalist writing, hey, this product's fantastic, love it as opposed to a talent that you've actively followed, you've actively signed up to want to know about, that you've actively really engaged with telling you, hey guys, love this product. This is how I use it in my day-to-day life. It's got a level of um, credibility and authenticity that I think can add so much value to a campaign or a marketing mix. Having said that, there's obviously still, you know, such importance around um, more traditional media and, you know, the credibility and reach and what they can bring to a campaign. And, you know, that's certainly not to discredit anyone else, but really nailing a campaign with an influencer or a talent or a spokesperson can be so incredibly valuable and so lucrative for a brand if done well. And do you have any advice on how a publicist or a marketing specialist can drill down and find the right influencer for their campaign and their marketing objectives? It is really interesting. I think, especially in the last two years, brands and um, PR probably, you know, far sooner have really started to understand how much they can ask for, which is I think fantastic. So back in the day, it was literally like, hey, I've got 20 grand, don't know what I need. Here's my money, please make something work. And the agency, as in LMB, had a lot of control over kind of what we 
were doing with the talent and how we utilize that 20 grand. Now it's a lot more structured and um, specific. So a brand will be like, hey, I've got 20 grand. This is exactly what I want for that 20 grand. This is what I want it to look like. So it's a lot more campaign-like where a brief is very specific and it's very considered and it's very strategic um, in relation to the brand versus talent. So I think the first thing for brands is understanding what you're looking for. Are you doing this for sales? Are you doing it for brand perception? Are you doing it for awareness? What is the prime objective? Then from there, understanding what the talent's value is. So, you know, we've got talent who we put forward for beautiful creative content pieces that will do big kind of more above the line usage and be able to create that content themselves. We've got talent who have got enormous reach. So that's great for brand awareness. So we can kind of help direct brands in different ways, depending on what their objectives are. But it's crazy how many brands still don't have the clarity of what they're trying to get out of a campaign. So I think that's the first place to start. And then the second thing is, You've got every right if you're spending money to see some stats. Can you please share a case study? Can I please see a media kit? Can I have a look at their audience? Analyzing what you're getting with that particular talent, um, similar to as you would if you were doing a media buy and understanding kind of what the audience reach were in more of a traditional space. And then I think thirdly, having um, a transparent kind of open dialogue with the agency and with the talent to really understand what the talent's vision is. So the brand might have a vision to um, shoot the campaign outside in the forest and the talent might say, actually, I would never use that product in the forest. I would actually use it in my kitchen. Can I create the campaign in my kitchen? And honing in and understanding kind of their vision, because at the end of the day, they know their audience better than anyone. So allowing the talent to have a little bit of control, I would suggest brands really do incorporate that in their brief too, which can be a little bit scary because I know obviously it opens up certain variables and the unknown, but we've found the greatest success in campaigns is when the talent do have a little bit of control as well. And one of the things that you did just mention was around how brands sometimes don't even know what they want out of the campaign. And I think that can often come down to they don't actually really know how influencers work and what they can achieve. Do you have any case studies or examples of campaigns that are like your benchmark or really, really successful? Honestly, we've got infinite case studies that we are so, so proud of when brands do kind of hand over the reins, both to the agency, but also to the talent to be like, hey guys, this is the product. Give us your vision. Tell us what you think. Tell us how you'd see this come to life. And there's an incredible, you know, incredible flourishing um, campaign that comes off the back of it. Shane Tino and Samsung is a brilliant example of um, how it can work really well. So he actually partnered with um, GQ Global And they literally gave him creative control to be like, okay, what do you want to do? We came up with the whole concept. We shot it ourselves. um, And that actually went as a paid advertorial in GQ Global. And it was such a beautiful campaign. It it really was a huge success. And he went on to being a long-standing partner of Samsung um, and something that we are also proud of. But that's just one very brief example. But there's, there's so many examples of how to do it well. And it really is dependent on... The brand, the category, you know, beauty is different to fashion, fashion is different to lifestyle, lifestyle is different to travel. There's just, yeah, it's kind of not really apples for apples, but 
there are so many brands who are doing it really, really well. And you're so right. It really depends on the talent as well, like, and what the brand is. Like, I remember we were working with a fashion client and Rosa Russian wore one of their shirts and it sold out. Rosa is what we call a bit of a unicorn. There's a few in, we actually have, which very, very fortunate to have within our stable of talent, but talent that can actually really cut through and move units. Rosa is absolutely one of them. And she is someone who has garnered so much respect and deservedly so from so many brands over the years because not only is her work ethic second to none, she's someone who really values, understands and respects her audience and she's always true to the Rosa brand. So if something doesn't feel like the right fit, she won't do it. If something looks um, or if she shoots something and it doesn't look completely premium, we won't present it, she'll reshoot it. She is a talent who has understood her audience from a very, very early stage and always kind of stayed true to understanding what their next wants and needs are. And she is a trendsetter. She's someone who is always sort of fashion forward, understanding, you know, what's going to be the next cool thing and how to then present that to her audience. And I don't know, Marissa, if you've met Rosa, but she's incredibly smart as well. So she has a really good understanding of what it is to create a brand, what it is to market a brand, but also what it is to work really, really hard for that brand. And working alongside a talent like Rosa makes our life so incredibly joyful because you know if you ask her to do something or you present a brief to her, she'll always come back with feedback. She's incredibly collaborative and she has returned clients time and time again because number one, she gets results, but number two, she also delivers over and above what is kind of expected of her time and time again. So it's, um, yeah, she's an amazing talent raiser. I love that you describe her as a unicorn. That is such a, a great way of describing her. And speaking of Rosa, you do have some amazing talent on your books Coming top of mind, I'm thinking Elliot Garneau, Rebecca Harding. But what about if someone is listening along and they go, I want to be talent. What is your advice to them and what do you look for when signing on new talent? Do you know what? There's no clear criteria. There's no, okay, you have to have X amount of followers. Um, Elliot, for example, I mean, it helps that we've been best friends since we were 13, but he came on with 10,000 followers and He obviously is incredibly, incredibly talented and he absolutely falls into that unicorn category as well. Um, But for Elliot, he just had a raw talent who we knew that brands would get a lot out of him. He's able to speak to media so naturally. Um, He started as a stylist, so he had a degree in fashion. So we knew that he'd have a really good ability to kind of fall within the stylist category. Been traveling overseas in Hong Kong, he was incredibly cultured so he could speak to a number of different kind of areas of the media market. So there's actually no criteria to say you have to have 300,000 followers, you've got to have a presence on TikTok, Instagram and a TV show and, you know, you have to have 10 years of experience within the media. But for us, when you know, you know. When you meet someone and you're like, yep, they've got it, you need to be someone to be represented by LMB that has drive and ambition and clear vision for yourself because for us, goal setting and accountability is huge. So we'll work incredibly hard, but in return, our expectation of our talent is also to work equally as hard. So yeah, someone who's like-minded with the agency and we're a family owned and run business and we really do treat LMB as a family. So everyone has a seat at the table. We're very inclusive. We want to ensure that that culture is throughout the entire agency, that talent help talent. So for example, Shane and Harvey are about to travel over to Europe together. 
they're sharing a photographer, they're going to the Men's Fashion Week um, in Florence and Paris. And it's just this LMB kind of family effect that we're so, so proud of. And similarly, you know, the likes of Elliot and Rosa and Shan and Beck, who are now all such close best friends, you know, they did meet through the agency and things like that make us so, so proud to, yeah, be a part of and kind of create a business that not only is highly successful for our talent, but also so nice and fun to be a part of. I love that. I I think that is so important and to have that family feel in the agency from the top and going down to the talent, I think that is really, really key to why you guys are so successful. And one last thing I want to pick your brain about with influencers is there is so many ongoing discussions around the regulations of what the influencer industry looks like. Where do you think that's going in the future and what do we need to ensure we have in place in our campaigns at the moment? So the way the AANA work it's actually the business the company that's liable so for any businesses listening always ensure the talent is disclosing it's an ad first and foremost so whether it be a story whether it be a post it has to be disclosed as a hashtag ad or hashtag sponsored because if the you know if it does get pulled up and looked at it will be the company that does is liable for that We had a situation with a big global brand and it was actually a gift. So the talent wasn't in the wrong and it blew up into this thing that it really, really shouldn't have been. But it was a massive learning curve for us to ensure that every talent across the board, even if it is a gift, it's hashtag ad. Obviously now in the health and wellness space um, with the TDA rulings, that's different again. So I think for brands, just ensuring you're briefing talent properly in writing and always having an agreement in place. I think you can't really go wrong, but it's it's an ever-evolving, ever-moving beast. And as an agency, we have constant legal advice as to when things do change, what does that look like, how are we advising our talent, how are we ensuring that we're kind of covering, as my beautiful mum says, covering our ass with tin to ensure that you don't get into those predicaments where you're like, oh gosh, I really just wish I had have disclosed that a little bit clearer or I had been a little bit more upfront with my audience. Because at the end of the day, and we still to this day have brands being like, oh, can the talent not hashtag sponsored? I'm like, guys, number one, the audience is actually not necessarily deterred by having transparency. If anything, they're like, okay, well, thanks for at least being open and honest. But you're also putting yourself in a seriously compromising position to legally not actually disclose that you're, you know, paying your talent or paying an influencer so while it is an ever-evolving ever-moving beast with all these rules and regulations with life in general it has been a heavily unregulated market for for so long that i do understand why there needs to be transparency but it is it is difficult for brands to keep up with what they can and can't do i actually didn't realize that it sat with the brand itself that they're the ones that would be in trouble if the brand like so say in the brief it does say hashtag sponsored is a mandatory element and the talent doesn't do it, different story. If the brand doesn't ask the talent or ensure the talent does it, the liability is on the brand. So, I mean, look, both brand and talent could be liable if it came to the ACCC. So, AANA, then if it gets escalated, it goes to the ACCC. So, I'm sure, and that may have, since we went through all the stuff recently, things may have changed again. 
But when we were kind of going through that process, it was definitely the brand that was liable as opposed to the talent. It's so hard to keep up because it's constantly changing. Oh, it is. And in that situation, we had no ability to have any recourse or anything with that because, you know, the talent was, yes, the platform that it was posted, but we actually had no ability to, con- you know, contact or try and resolve the issue because they're like, well, no, it's actually a brand problem. Now, flipping into some more specific PR-related questions, I would love to know what is your preferred way to work with a PR? I love a in-person meeting. I think you cannot beat a face-to-face, but we always, always, always ensure we have everything in writing. So, I think within our industry, there's a lot of talk. There's a lot of people who are like, oh, yep, great. We're going to do $20,000 for this and happy days. And then without having things really kind of fleshed out and understood in a very clear, concise email, I think things can get lost. So phone calls, great, but email is absolute paramount. I also think my pet hate is a phone call that could have been an email. I really cannot stand when people are like, hey, I've, you know, I've just sent you an email, but I just wanted to follow up with a phone call. It's like, Give it a minute. So I think when, you know, things are super busy, email is fantastic because if you're in a meeting, you can get back to it in a timely manner. But preferred would be face-to-face and then phone call, email. And do you have any advice on how, more so like a young publicist who's just starting out in the industry, in actually building a relationship with someone like you, a talent manager, or even talent themselves? Building a relationship. So talent and management, it's such a incredibly important relationship there's so much trust that goes either way so we're representing you know a whole person in every way shape and form we advise them on certain things this is a great brand this is a bad brand this is how much your brand should be worth this is how much you should be pitched out at so that relationship is so important um and so yeah just so personal but i think garnering good relationships is probably one of the most important things in our industry because especially being a publicist relationships are everything to be able to pick up the phone and ask a favor of a friend or be able to have support when in need yeah provide security in a way that if you really do need something you've got your network there and i think that just comes with trust and time so i think respecting people ensuring that you can then gain their respect working really hard and also having a kind of a clear vision of what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go so when you are going to you know pitch yourself out or speak to someone you're not just going and wasting someone's time you're really going with a purpose and then you in turn are able to get something actually out of out of that encounter Yeah, a lot of important elements to starting out. But I think if you've got a really good work ethic and that's something that I think is slowly but surely starting to become quite apparent that everyone's on this kind of sped up trajectory of what it looks like to grow. And me, for example, started as an unpaid intern working five days a week, working in a cafe on the weekend and babysitting at night in Sydney away from my family then moved up into a paid intern, then was a receptionist, then was a junior model booker, then was, um, you know, like you have to be willing to really integrate yourself within a business and work from the bottom up. And this is what is so mind-blowing to me that people are like, oh, you know, I think I deserve to be paid X. And it's like, okay, great. Why? I just think that that's what you know, my value is. Whereas I think for me, I'm like, no, no, no. 
the value that I'm getting here is the knowledge and just gaining the experience and gaining the opportunity. And yes, 100%, you shouldn't be, you know, undervalued in a payment term, but it's just that thing. I think be patient, learn as much as you can and trust the process and don't try and sort of skip ahead. And I love that advice. And I think that's quite evident over every industry at the moment, you know, people trying to skip a few steps and it's not how the people above them have got there. So that's not how we kind of respect it too. A hundred percent. And, you know, being ambitious is fantastic. Being ambitious is what gets you places. Don't, don't get me wrong. And, you know, I'm incredibly ambitious and have been from such a young age. I was picking up my boss's dog's poo. I was getting, getting coffee. I was moving cars. I was, you know, resizing images at 1am in the morning. I was doing all the things. And like, I didn't think that was weird. I was like, oh, of course I'm doing those things because like that's what it takes to then get to the next level. And then the next level, I didn't have to pick up dog poo. I then could, you know, go and get lunch and do other things that were probably more relevant to the role. And then the next level, and obviously, you know, in the now, it would be, I think you'd be stoned to death if you asked a staff member to pick up poo. But like, it's that thing of being like, it's changed so significantly that there's this expectation that everything's glamorous and everything, and especially in our industry, you go to cool events and you're doing all these things. It is hard, hard, hard work. It's, you know, like any other industry, you're not just kind of swanning around with a glass of champagne. There's a lot that goes into, and, you know, PR, you know, events, and it's it's a huge, huge gig. I think it definitely looks more glamorous from the outside. I wish my job involved a lot more champagne than it does. Babe, you and I both, you and I both. Someone said to me the other day, like, oh, my God, are you so excited that the races are up and going and it's going to be so incredible this year. It's going to be back in full capacity. I'm like, I'm so, so, so excited because the girls at the VRC, and I know obviously Kate and Co have worked so closely with the event for so many years. They are the most unbelievable business and unbelievable brand, and I'm so excited for the spring racing carnival but it's for us it's not standing around in a marquee looking glamorous it's you're working that whole week so what looks like such a fun granted it actually is such a fucking brilliant week but you know there's a lot of work that goes into that as well and you've got the sore feet at the end of the day with no champagne to mute that pain you know about it I know the exact feeling now I have four final questions for you before we wrap up and they're very quick fire are you ready amazing I sure am email or phone call Mm, email zoom or in-person meetings in person for sure your typical day in media consumption? Oh, I try and not turn the phone on, but first thing would be emails and texts, then Instagram, then news online. And my final question, which I'm actually very excited to know the answer, Instagram, Facebook or TikTok? I have to say still Instagram. Oh, I wish I could say I've like moved with the times, but I haven't. I'm definitely still Instagram for now. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lily. It has been such a pleasure chatting to you. No, thank you, Han. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app and please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR.